Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. What's going on, everybody? Minus here, and welcome to episode 25 of the Rewind. As always, I'm joined by my Ranger ally, as much as I can be an ally with a Ranger, Theric, <laughs> as we traverse through the dark depths of Pantheon social media to bring you this week's uh, news, community discussions, and update you on all things content creator as we also do our best to answer all your questions about Pantheon Rise of the Fallen. So it's been a pretty crazy week as we had the Shakedown 2 testing pass, um, and we can't really go into a lot of details, but that was a great experience. Um, and I think just we've just been tied down. Like, we were doing Pantheon Plus U. We had content coming out. We had testing. Um, so, Theric, like, how are you, my friend? <laughs> are you even ready I'm, for another week of this rewind here? What, what are oh, we doing? yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, man. I am... I'm a, I'm a little tired. It was a busy week for sure. Um, but I got good news today that I'm going to be working from home again more than I have been. So I have more time to sort of to recover a little bit, maybe do a little bit more, you know, Pantheon related stuff during the day, you know, sort of when work is not flowing as much. So I'm excited about that. And I'm I'm uh, I'm looking forward to doing another uh, doing another rewind with you, man. Yeah. And um, for Pantheon's boss who or for Pantheon, for Theric's boss who's listening <laughs> To this show right now, I promise you he's going to work very hard from home. He's not just going to work on Pantheon content, so just ignore that first part. <laughs> I know, yeah. My my colleagues do not listen to the rewind. Maybe someday, maybe when it's like you know, <laughs> well, hopefully not this episode. <laughs> no, no, we'll be past this episode by then. <laughs> All right, well, that is uh, our intro. So with that, let's jump into category number one this week in Visionary Realms news and notes. All right, so in this section, we always talk about VR and social media, what they're talking about, what special events they have, their Twitter updates, blah, blah, blah. So let's start with the fact that they had their monthly developer stream, and they hit on you know three key points, really, that I would say is worth talking about from like kind of an overarching standpoint. That would be uh, really the big reveal of the Dire Lord, seeing abilities that even testers didn't get to see. Um, the really big piece that Joppa talked on factions, and then they kind of went into patch notes. Now, we're not going to go into like a ton of details on these things um, because we did a lot on Pantheon Plus U and we were able to actually talk about our experiences. Thank you, Joppa. Thank you, VR, who um, just slightly lifted the NDA because they had already announced all the abilities. So we were kind of able to talk about how we felt about it. So let's start there. We talked about the Dire Lord. Um, Theric, I think if you're like me, this was a class you really didn't have much interest in, right? Yeah, it wasn't on my radar. Um, I've never really played a tank all that much. Um, but man, oh man, it's like every time you see it a little more and, and uh, it gets more and more interesting. And I have to say, you know, I um, I think Pantheon's going to be a game where I branch out and play classes and archetypes that I've never played before. And yeah. the Dire Lord's definitely going to be one of them. Yeah, I mean, when I looked at the tanks, for me, it went Warrior Paladin and a distant third was Dire Lord. And I, you know, I'm still really into the Warrior myself. Um, I'm really excited to eventually see what that looks like and, and feel what it feels like to be that, you know, hulking mass of you know, plate armor. I just I love that <laughs> as a tank. I really do. I just love that feeling. Um, yeah. But the Dire Lord, you know, listen, hats off to VR. Um, not only what you guys got to see and what we talked about on Pantheon Plus U, but I just I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, you know, it, it probably harkens back a little bit to the fact that I just I do really, really love tanking. Um, yeah. obviously I'm sticking with a rogue and there were a lot of reasons why I decided that. And, uh, and that's really what I want to play. And I've really kind of embraced that over the course of covering Pantheon for the last two years. Um, but listen, hats off, like 
I was yeah. wrong. Dire Lords, Dire Lords, a cool class. This was probably one of my bottom before playing it. And I'll tell you, man, they nailed the whole magic caster, you know, yeah. tank. Yeah, they really did. You know, I, um, this was out of the tanks. This was probably the one I liked the most because I like different takes on things. I like yeah. new twists on an old idea. Right. And the thing with the Dire Lord is it's, it's unique to Pantheon. There's never been a Dire Lord class in any other MMO that I'm, I'm aware of. I mean, we've had similar types of classes. That's not to say like the Shadow Knight isn't similar and a couple others, you know, here and there. But Dire Lord is, is a signature class for Pantheon. So that's pretty cool, you know, like, uh, and we always talk about some of the other things that are unique to Pantheon. And this is a class that no other MMO has done, you know, per se, in this, in this way, at least calling it a Dire Lord. So I was definitely looking forward to it. At the most, the tank I would be most likely to play, and now it's like a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it just it felt really good. Um, the like you kind of said, that's an interesting point. We talked a little bit about that as well. Is like when Pantheon goes on to be a successful game, and notice I didn't say if when when Pantheon <laughs> goes on to be a successful game, these um, distinct classes are going to be a big important thing, not from just a lore standpoint, but if if. You know, two years after Pantheon's launch, it's a really popular MMORPG, and you say Dire Lord, um, people are going to think Pantheon, right? Because it's something unique to them. And so it's cool that, yeah. Sorry, I just say it's cool that they're showing it off ahead of some of the other more traditional classes, right? Yeah. Get that get that foot out there. Get that unique uh, take on a class out there ahead of everything else, and it sort of sets the tone for your game, right? Yeah. And somebody in the Pantheon Plus U chat had said, and I think we read it during the episode. So honestly, guys, for more in-depth information on the Visionary Realm stream, either just watch it um, on their YouTube or you can go check out Pantheon Plus U where we broke it down. But someone on the stream said, um, you know, they were really happy that, you know, it really wasn't as much of a Shadow Knight as they thought it was going to be. Like, you know, they were a big Shadow Knight fan. But at the same time, like the difference is in that it's so unique. It's it's really nothing like a Shadow Knight. The, like, people are kind of excited for that again because new is fun, right? New is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we hold on a lot to like our old like times, <laughs> but <laughs> but do. most of the time, new is more exciting. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well said. That's exactly right. Um, from there, like we said, we, they talked about factions, and I know that we, this was something you were into yeah. because. Factions tie deeply into lore, I think, right? Like if you're going to have a a relationship with a group of people in the game, it's got to be tied to something. It's not just like, oh, well, you know, you killed Burger King. So McDonald's (laughs) likes you like, right? Like there's more to it. There's more to it than that. So like, what were your thoughts on some of the stuff they said and, you know, some of the details they revealed about factions? Yeah. um, Yeah. Like you said, you know, it's all the names mean something and and to have a name and be able to place that name in the lore. Um, so when I killed something and it says my faction with Black Rose Keep has gotten worse, you know, oh, okay, now I know that. I know where Black Rose Keep is. I know the story about Black Rose Keep. I know. And when I go there, I have something to sort of consider. One of the things um, that I thought was really interesting last night, my favorite point maybe with regard to the whole stream was they talked about how uh, some uh, NPCs will be resistant to um, conning. And by that, I mean, like, learning their faction, learning which factions they're involved with or have a good or a bad relationship with when you, you know, whether you're aggressive towards them or you're not, you're friendly towards them. And they talked about how uh, being a keeper will play a role in this. And I think that's really exciting. That's something that we didn't know before. And 
Um, we've, we, you and I have talked about what's the value of being a keeper, you know, where does that yeah. play in when you're out adventuring with, with your groups? And I think if they tie that in with factions, that's a really fun interaction, a fun, um, you know, dynamic to sort of go with. So I was super excited to hear that. Yeah, it was really cool. And like also the whole warring factions was really neat too. I got a mm-hmm. kick out of that. And like you had said, they were kind of like talking about this area that we haven't heard of yet where like there was all these warring factions. Like that just sounds so cool to me to like step into this battlefield yeah. of sorts. Like that's how my visions went. I don't know if that's what it's going to be like, but yeah, well, really it cool. was the, uh, it was the veil of Azurus and yeah, we, yeah. you know, you have that map Pantheon, which is quite old at this point, you know, probably uh, should be updated at some point, but we've never <laughs> seen the veil of Azurus. We don't know anything about it, but we did learn a little bit last night about it, which is, pretty sweet you know so just even the little tidbits of lore and and things that sort of intertwine with with factions are, are really exciting for me yeah i'm gonna agree 110 there and then uh patch notes there were a lot they gave you a lot of different bugs that were fixed um you know hats off to the tester community everybody that submitted like bugs and bug reports and you know suggestions i mean they were flooded by the teams that uh, were there with updates and just, just everything. And it was just so cool to see that because that's what the testing process is all about. And, you know, I have it on uh, good terms that they got through a lot of those bugs, um, <laughs> you know, and you could hear it uh, when they were reading through the patch notes. So like, I mean, that says so much for VR, right? Like that, you know, yeah. they, they were faced with, imagine you're running a test and you're just open up bug reports and you just get, I mean, I can't even imagine how many thousands of things they got. They had to get tons. I don't know how many people were submitting. I'm sure there were people who submitted a hundred themselves, right? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, it's just really exciting to see not only were people actively helping, you know, report these bugs and how they happened, but the VR is just, bam, spot on, like, hitting these bugs, hitting these patch notes like they did. Um, that's a good sign, yeah. man. That's a good sign. It's it's a good sign of systems, like, working well to be able to fix these things quickly and just a smart, good team. I mean, I'm, and that then, excites me. Yeah. And, and quality testers, like you said, you know, like yeah. it wouldn't mean anything if you had people who didn't know what they're doing. This is a, this is a community that is the definition of MMO veterans, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's new people, don't get me wrong, but you know, the, the, there are a lot of people in this community that have been around the block many, many times. <laughs> they know what to look for. They know how to do bug reports and, and VR is like, bring it, man, like bring it. We will deal with them. We will get them fixed. And, and it's great stuff. So that's a good very point. Good sign. Just, they just want, they want it. Give us more. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> again, if you guys want to learn more about what was discussed on the stream, you can go to visionary realms, YouTube channel and check it out there, or you can check out Pantheon plus you, which will go live. It went live Saturday night on our YouTube. Um, or Friday night, actually. So you'll be able to check that out. So there's a lot of different ways you can interact with more details on the content. We're not going to, uh, you know, spend the whole rewind talking about stuff we've already talked about. So go check that out. Um, moving on to visionary realms on Twitter is something we do every week. I actually enjoy this. I got to be honest with you. I enjoy us <laughs> breaking it down more than I had enjoyed the Twitter just on its own. Um, mm-hmm. like, you know, I always kind of joked about some of the topics, but when we talk about them in this open setting, we read people's responses. I really like what they do on Twitter now. It's just now that we're interacting with him. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I love the responses. So, so I preface that because this question, I think probably some people weren't into, but Theric, this is a big <laughs> one for me. This is a Funny really, say that. it's a really big question for me. So hot topic. How do you use your mouse when you play an MMORPG? 
So let's go ahead through some of the comments we have here. I'm going to start it with Baz Grimm. He said, interesting question. I mostly just use it to move the camera, although I have a Naga. So the side buttons are handy to target group members or use abilities. Occasionally, I'll hold down both mouse buttons to run if I need to eat or drink with the other hand. So interesting take. That's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah, holding down both mouse buttons is that's exactly what I do too. If I need to like get a drink of water or something, I'm like one hand. You know, can't stop. That's playing. right. Can't stop moving. That's the best part about MMOGs. We can't even stop playing to take a drink. Um, no. Nathan Napalm says 12 keys. I use my thumb to slap out all my abilities. My mouse is where all my decisions are made. I can relate wow. a lot to what he's saying there. Interesting. We had Jim. He said he has a Rocket Cane 122. I don't I even know it, what that is. It's like, I'm guessing it's some kind of mouse. He says Sounds he like uses a weapon of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sword. He uses a yeah. sword. Um, I use it mainly to point and click, but once the monk class is in the game, I'll program it for one or two of the side buttons to auto attack and the other to fiend death. This is a man who likes to have his fiend death readily he available. Is, yeah, he's got his monk mouse, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a monk. It's like a mouse with like a little cloak on it or something. Yeah, yeah there you go. Uh, JJ Padaria says, uh, I didn't say it right, did I? Nope. Nope. Piedra. <laughs> got us again. JJ Piedra. Piedra. Uh, says, if the function allows, I use it to move my character by holding down both mouth buttons. I also bind some oh crap abilities to my extra buttons. Okay. Yep. Uh, yep. Chopin Hood says, I'm not going to lie. I'm super casual. Nothing wrong with that. Super casual <laughs> is fine. He says I'm he hasn't, you, yeah, he hasn't trained himself to do anything other than left click or right click. He's like, I don't even cast spells with my number keys. I just click on the gems in the slots. It makes healing very stressful when I have to trade targets in a crowd and even laughed a little bit at himself. So that's great. Yeah. Um, and I have a little story about that. So don't worry, Chobin. Uh, you're not alone. Yeah. Um, Dave Pryor says mouse button shortcuts are heavily integrated into my play style. Cooldowns are the only thing on my keyboard typically, which is really interesting. Um, it reduces the chance of accidental clicks. I enjoy the setup process as well. It is quite satisfying getting it perfect. 10 plus assignments is pretty normal to me. So wow. 10 yeah. plus assignments, man. Yeah. How yeah. do you remember all those? Like I can't remember anything anymore. I can <laughs> barely remember like, I, you know, I'll talk about it in a bit, but man, oh man, that guy, he's got like mega brain on him. Yeah. Uh, I'll go into some detail on that too. So I'll leave it for <laughs> the end here. Uh, Dr. Sinister says I use it for what works best. I prefer the keyboard as much as I can. Sometimes you need some abilities. Current mouse has seven buttons in a map on the extra buttons on the thumb. Um, movement, again, I'd rather use the keyboard solely, um, but what works best will do in a pinch. So another guy who's kind of keyboard driven. Yeah. So um, Arkham Cleric says, I guess the too long didn't read is a lot of stuff. Uh, he says, when I switched to the Razor Naga years ago, I had literally everything from using the main action bar um, to some of the sidebar items. And he says that uh, usage orients around his various mouse button layouts. So he sort of has his own layout that he kind of ties into each game. Um, Cold Applesauce. His name is Earth is on Fire, but he's at Cold Applesauce. And that's what he will be referred to as by me. When we were in the chat on one of the previous episodes, when we talked about cold applesauce, somebody in the chat didn't know what applesauce was. They were from another what? country where apples, applesauce isn't a thing. And somebody described it as pre-chewed apples. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. I was like, yes, that's exactly what applesauce is. Pre-chewed apples. That mm -hmm. makes me really look at applesauce different. But I have applesauce <laughs> in the fridge. After we record this, I'm going to go eat some. Um, he says, mouse is versatile, used for camera, hot buying keys, and usually clicking on abilities. He clicks and he's hot, hot key binds and clicks. Uh, 
Andre Labont says uh, WASD plus mouse equals game on. And he even says, I don't <laughs> mind using a controller. I don't mind using a controller, controller either. Not for on. an MMO. Not Dude, for an MMO. Final Fantasy fourteen. I played strictly with a controller and Blade and Soul, I played strictly with a controller. I should try that, actually. I should try Final Fantasy fourteen with a controller because I've got it hooked up. It's just, uh, I know that's interesting. It's going to be rough for you, though, because you start, like, I started with a controller. Like, mm, yeah. It's nice when it works, but Blade and Soul, I hurt myself playing Blade and Soul on a controller because my class was this like combination of left, right, left, right trigger, like left, left, right, right, left, right, left, right. Like it was this weird, crazy combo. And I just yeah, got yeah. so good at it. Like it was just, I just did it. And eventually my pointer fingers hurt and I had to start <laughs> using my middle finger on my left trigger um, <laughs> because I literally injured myself from how much I was like hardcore in that game for a while. So Wow. Well, yeah. That's been tense. How about intense, that? Man. Yeah. Injury. <laughs> MMORPG injuries. Um, Rasper help desk says, and this is really cool. I'm really happy you shared this with us. Uh, said due to dystonia, I can only use my right hand. So with a razor mouse, I have a dozen buttons on the side mapped to various things. He said one through six is typically his actions. Five is jump. Seven is inventory. Nine is map. Eight is forward. And then 10 and 12 strife, uh, left and right. And 11 is backwards. And then he uses his mouse wheel to target closest. I love that he shared that. And I Pretty love, incredible. yeah, it's uh, like Rasper. Thank you so much. I don't know if we featured you on the rewind before, but honestly, thank you for sharing that. It's really cool to hear how you're making it work for you. And it's funny I because yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit cause I have a 12 button mouse and you know, he is actually more agile on his mouse than I am because yeah. like I can only use one through six. So it's, um, it's, we'll talk more about that, but, Honestly, Raspberry, like, thank you for sharing that. That's really cool. And like, I can see you playing now because like I have that style mouse and it's really cool. Like I never thought of using some of those buttons in a move and to to, like think about you like adapting to that so you can be a kick-ass player in MMORPGs is freaking awesome, man. So hats off to you. It's right on, man. Very cool. cool. Um, Rousey, uh, his at is good too. Going (laughs) ham bacon. I like that. Going ham bacon. At going ham bacon. Um, I think the mouse plays one of the biggest roles in first impressions. I use it to uh, pick items off the ground, check the stats, look around. The mouse is my hand, fingers, and eyes. It needs to feel like it. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Free spirit with a hand up says mouse clicker here. <laughs> he <laughs> says, I use the mouse for everything except movement. Uh, tried using high key binds and just felt weird trying to commit to muscle memory. Play however you're most comfortable, I say. 100%. You know, Free Spirit, you're not the only one. A couple other people said they use their you know, mouse for clicking. No problems there, man. And then Dan also shared something cool. He said, left mouse hand mouser for the wind. Um, so he said, right hand on the tw- 10 keypad, where he's rerouted for forward, back, left, right, and all his instance hots and such. Um, he's seen right-handed mousers, and that way is, uh, his way is far more comfortable and usable. It's interesting. Like, like imagine... Smart. Like, look at your keyboard and mouse right now and imagine you had to switch. Like, your right hand is closest to that numpad, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to use WASD. So he's configured that. And it's funny because, like, that mouse pad kind of ties in, or the numpad is kind of ties into what I use on my left hand. So mm-hmm. so I'm going to go into that now. So uh, so personally, I was a clicker until the end of um, WAD in World of Warcraft. So that was the Warlords of Draenor. Um, I was actually a clicker. Uh, completely. And I was, I was a strong player. Um, Haya, who I had met in Blade and Soul, um, he never played WoW. So we joined WoW together and he's like, you're a clicker? 
Um, and he proceeded to rag on me until I kind of honestly he forced me to change. He's like, so it's, it's kind of half true, I guess, but it did take me a really long time to get used to hotkeys. And some of the people up, up top said that. In fact, so using the keyboard, I struggle so mightily and keeping my hand in place when reaching. I don't, I don't know why, man. Like if I keep myself on mm-hmm. WASD and I have to reach to like six, I have mm-hmm. to pick my whole hand up. It doesn't really? feel comfortable to just reach without looking. Um, hmm. so what happens, I pick my hand up to hit and then I go back and I don't always land on WASD. So like, I actually lose my place a ton on the keyboard. Like I can type like a machine. I can sit here looking at the screen. I have really fast typing, but when it comes to reaching for ability keys and stuff, like I really struggle on my keyboard. Like I can't, I can't actively play looking at the screen and keep my hand in the right position. Hmm. Um, so what I did is I went and bought one of the Razer Tataruses. So my mouse is a Corsair Scimitar. It's my favorite mouse. Anybody out there looking for an MMO mouse, I highly recommend it if you want a lot of buttons. Um, I do not recommend the Logitech one. I actually started with the Logitech MMO mouse. Um, the buttons on the side are really clunky. Um, but the Razer Scimitar, you can move the entire 12-button key set up and down the side of the mouse. So you can put the 12 buttons in a comfortable spot for your thumb, which is just huge for me. And they're the way that they're kind of broken up and like tilted, you kind of can feel where you are and understand where you are. But I, I love this mouse. I've actually gone through one of them already. This is my second one. I, I just can't talk enough about it. So I have my 12 buttons on my mouse on the side. And then I have what's called a Tataris. And this Tataris has um, 19 buttons. It's 19 keys. Oh my God. <laughs> So imagine you just took 19 keys out of the middle of your keyboard and you just had them all together. So essentially the middle, like 8, 12, 13, 14 is WASD, right? But now because there's all these other buttons around and below it, similar to what would be on my keyboard, it just keeps me in a smaller location and I'm not reaching for as much. And then on my thumb, I have a, a stick. So the stick I actually programmed to where like if I press it forward, that'll jump. If I pull it back, right, that will like shift modify. So I've really just used the Tataris to be like alt modifiers by my thumb. There's a little trigger below it that's a control modifier. And then I kind of just use all the buttons on the Tataris plus like everything on my mouse. And I use usually, like I said, on my mouse, like I use six buttons on the side because it's kind of difficult for me to reach back to like the nine through 12. Um, So, but the front six with an alt modifier is 12 buttons, right? And then you throw a control modifier in. Now you're at 18 buttons. So a lot of it on my mouse, I can just do which is kind of cool. The only other thing I'd say is like, you know, the um, tab targeting on my mouse is typically my click in of my mouse wheel. And then like, I'm a spaz with my, my camera with the mouse. Like um, (laughs) when we were playing, remember like when I was like, okay, Theric, you know, turn your camera. So you're looking over here, look behind us. I'm going to spin. Like, I'm really like when I'm playing the way my character looking is typically never the way my camera is. So I'm just constantly. Really? So really, that's so interesting. So again, it's, it's pretty intense, like the insanity of all this stuff, but um, <laughs> it is very think? intense, man. It, like it is intense uh, that you're, you're, you're playing chess, man. I, I'm over here playing checkers with my mouse. Like I, I am very, very basic when it comes to this stuff. And it's funny with this question you talked about at the beginning, you know, I kind of thought it was a silly question to be honest. Like I kind of dismissed it and I was like, I don't think there's much to say about this. I mean, outside of using, you know, mouse look um, and which buttons you assign your skills to, you know, what, what more is there to, to it than that? And I hear these responses and then I hear you, your story and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm like rubbing six together to create fire and you're got a <laughs> Tesla going on there, you know, like there's so much more to it. So 
I, you know, for me, I'm like, I move around with WASD. I use the mouse look, you know, for uh, inter- and, uh, to look around and then interacting with stuff, you know, whatever, that, that's it. I've got a five button Razer mouse that I really like. I've had it for a long time and I like the weight of it. I like how it feels. I'm definitely not going to be upgrading to like a crazy scheme like yours, but the replies were interesting. One of the things that I noticed, the guy, um, Dan, who talked about being left-handed, I'm left-handed as well, but I've always done everything right-handed, right? So I think it's so cool that he's, you know, sort of managed to, um, you know, make the setup work for him as a left-handed person. You I would just love said to the quote, like you just said the quote, I'm left-handed, but I've always done things right-handed. That would mean that you're right-handed. <laughs> well, no, it means I, I it means I've, I've trained myself to do things right-handed. I play guitar yeah. with a regular, you know, regular type of guitar. I, I, you know, mouse with my right hand and, but I'm, I'm strongly left-handed as well and in everything else. So it's, it's funny, um, you know, hearing these stories, I, I definitely learned a lot about how people, use a mouse for an MMO and uh, it's, it's interesting. So yeah, good stuff, man. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's funny how such a small topic and like become mm-hmm. this big of a topic and it's really cool. Cause that's like so community and just hearing yeah. like how different people play is insane. But yeah, I, I I'll tell you what I suck at though. If What's we up? have to group chat or talk, I literally have to take both my hands. So I might like, imagine <laughs> I'm like flying a plane I have my left hand on a Tataris. I have my right hand on a mouse. Like I'm spread out. My keyboard's in the middle of them. So like, I'm like, (laughs) my arms are out, you know, shoulders spread out. I'm doing this, like flying a plane. When I got to type, I have to take both hands off and move into the keyboard that's in the middle. And like, that's why I am so like, Hey guys, want to get invoiced? Do you want to get invoiced? (laughs) (laughs) That that plane's going down, man. (laughs) Yeah. I, I really hate having to type because I have to pull off my main controls to type. So funny. Yeah. There you go. I need to get like a voice to text device. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> You'd be a cyborg. You'll be a cyborg by the time this thing's all done and yeah, right. said and done. <laughs> um, let's go to the next question here with, uh, they said with PA shakeout one and two behind us, we now sift through all the amazing feedback and bug reports to help us with PA five. What's the first thing you look for when testing a game or in early testing phases like pre alpha. So Nathaniel James says the first thing is the overall testing, the overall experience testers had and the testers feedback. That'll point you in the direction of the issues they've experienced. Did the experience that the developer intend actually come to fruition? Where are the new mechanics tested? Uh, where were they tested enough? Uh, how did it feel? Um, Streak says, I mostly test my patients while I wait for alpha. <laughs> but if I was in pre-alpha, then I would like to look for the game-breaking bugs, crashes, um, getting stuck or falling through the world, as well as testing some of the core mechanics to feel fluent and fun. Um, Rykoth says, is there progress? Um, and each time there's a testing phase, can I see, feel, and note that there's a legitimate progress being made in the game? I think for those of us that back the game, uh, but maybe aren't the best testers, it's important for us to feel like things are improving. So that was a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Patrick Collins says, first thing, does it load properly? Can't play with the blue screen of death. Personally, the next thing would be the UI where the on-screen buttons or controls um, the keyboard controls and they have to have be function as designed. So yeah, pretty good. Um, Talon Manny, Manly, Talon Manly. It's a crazy good name. Talon yeah. Manly. Yeah. Um, with ad hoc exploratory testing in the game like this, the first thing checked is basic functionality, movement, abilities, consumables, targeting instances, etc. Uh, the most basic things usually break first. Once that's all tested, I'll move on to more complex systems. Um, Nimakrai says, I look for tooltips and ability interaction. Uh, numbers can be tuned, drop rates can be tuned, but being able to understand what my abilities do and how they play and interact with each other 
is crucial. I like that. That's um, a good point. Yeah, Cotter Stormhold says movement of the character. And finally, Mike says uh, mob behaviors. Um, there you go. Yeah, so for me, it, it sort of um, starts before even getting into the game, if I'm going to be honest with you. Like, what's the launcher download progress? Like, how is the login process? Um, how does the game boot up? Like, if these things are clean, that's a really good start, in my opinion. If they aren't, it can become frustrating very quickly because these should just be automatic at this point. Like, there's a lot of things yeah. you can't test for, but, like, being able to get in the game, that should work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So once I'm in, I sort of look at, like, lag and rubber banding and where, like, mob placement. Like, is it accurate? Like, if I'm attacking a mob, is it there? Um, or they where they say they are? Like, is positioning during combat correct? Like, am I standing inside the mob to hit it? Is it standing like inside me? <laughs> is it really awkward? Like, can I move it around? Um, and do abilities respond to button press? Like, those are the yeah. things that are really important to me when I first get in. Um, from there, I'm going to jump all about movement. We talked about that a little earlier, like camera, interaction, controls. Does it feel intuitive? Um, a lot of games sometimes want to make something overly complicated for the sake of complication sometimes, I feel like. Um, so it's like, do the basic things tied into interacting with a group work? Is the interface clean? Um, is really the overlaying things that go into a playing a game? Gotta be honest, that's like kind of what I look at first. Mm -hmm. Um, so before I get into like what abilities do, how classes play, uh, these things are what everyone should feel. And, uh, even if they don't notice it, um, and at that point, if they don't notice it, I think it's probably nailed. So even character creation is pretty important to me to just to do like basic things that make sense. Um, and like just getting into the game. Um, mm -hmm. And again, it's just if something should feel natural, then does it, yeah. I guess. So what do you think? Yeah. 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 I think that I think intuitive is, is probably a good way of, of looking at it with that. And I've said this before when we've talked about this, but it, I'm, I'm a pretty much a novice when it comes to uh, early testing. So I really I'm, I'm drawing on my experience, recent experience with this. And um, it's it's. I like what Patrick Collins actually said about the blue screen of death. <laughs> How long has the blue screen of death been around as a, as a long time PC gamer, right? Like that's, that's the number one thing. It's like a drilled into our, our psyches as this uh, terrible thing. And then man, if you're still getting blue screens of death in this day and age with your games, I mean, you're sort of doing something wrong. So if you're getting those, that's definitely number one, you know, and I'm not a technical person, so I, I have to rely on what the feel of a game is, you know, like I, I know it's very subjective, but, does it feel like the game that they've described, you know, even in an early state, it should have a, it should, something should come across, whether it's even without the features that they've talked about, or even without visuals and story, when you are running around, when you are in the world, it should feel close to what that core experience of the developer, uh, the vision of the developer is. And if there's glaring contradictions between like the tenets and the basic design, I think that's, I think that's something that um, is so foundational that you have to really ask, you know, like, has, has this testing been done where has somebody looked at this? Has somebody thought about this? And that's a great if point. If something feels so awkward, you're just like, why was this okay? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Like it can makes you wonder about the testing. And so just consistency, I think in the game's direction and what it feels like. So I'll leave it at that. But, um, so I, I'm less technical, more of a subjective feel kind of person. <laughs> no, that's good. That's it for VR's news and notes this week. When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into social media and see what the discussion is all about. Okay. So, uh, for our community discussions, we are going to the, uh, Pantheon MO website. Cool. Um, topic this week was brought by uh, Baron 999 and it's about spending stat 
points in an MMO. So um, before we get into what he posted, I wanted to um, sort of bring up a, a post that um, somebody found, a Goofy Warrior guy found a post from 2016, which sort of gives um, VR's views, at least at that time. And this was from Corey Lefebvre, who's not on the team anymore, but he was, he was greatly involved in sort of understanding and, and the vision that they had for how stat points and Pantheon are going to work. And he, um, he kind of talked about it a little bit. And what he basically said was, you know, it was going to feel similar to EverQuest. You're going to start with a couple of stat points, a couple points in stats. Um, but by by and large, after that, it's going to mostly just come from armor class and upgrades. So like your, your strength, your, your stamina, your wisdom, your dexterity, all that stuff. You know, they're not going to get stat points at levels. You're just going to get the stuff you get off the armor and the gear that you find in the, in the game. Um, so that was sort of their vision. Again, this was a quote from 2016. So, you know, who knows if that's changed and so that's what Baron is asking in this post. He's saying, here's his post, what he asked. How many additional stat points would you see yourself spending on a frequent basis? So would you be okay to receive one spendable stat point per level? Would you prefer to gain one stat point, say, every you know 25% of a level? So like when you ding, it's like four mm-hmm. points. Or perhaps maybe um, you'd like to spend more than that to really feel a difference and feel your character grow. Or on the other side of the coin, would you rather have no stat increases like the way that um, Corey talked about it in terms of VR's vision and everything comes with armor and, and gear and that kind of stuff? So interesting question. And um, the responses were actually fairly um, fairly aligned in terms of what people are thinking and, and in line with what VR is saying, but I'll go through them. So Ezreal said additional stat points beyond character creation should come from gear only. Yeah. Um, Doherty said attribute points should be as they are in early games, uh, early games like D&D, rare and precious. An extra point every 10 levels would be too many. Maybe a bonus point at level cap to commemorate a real milestone. Um, already Vandrad said he, he said statflation, right? I mean, this is the big concern with this. I think that everybody sort of comes to is that, you know, in, like we've seen in other games like EverQuest, um, it ends up ruining the game when, one point per level doesn't sound like much, but after 50 levels, that's 50 points, right? And when you're starting out with just single digits and stats, the ability to add 50 more, even after 50 levels, it's just overpowering and it makes the game unbalanced. Um, Bam Bam said, really simply, less is more. And uh, again, that was a common theme throughout these responses. Mm-hmm. Um, Unicron said, I see myself hoping VR goes with horizontal progression model rather than a vertical progression model. Because as Vandred correctly pointed out, vertical progression leads to inflation that creates other balance problems within the game that aren't easily solved the longer the game goes on. So some of these people were talking, like some of their responses are thinking like long-term, you know, like 10 years out, 20 years out, what are we, how is this going to affect things? So it's always good to have that long view um, when you're, when you're talking about issues like this. Um, somebody else said, I do find it odd how quickly characters grow in statistical power in some games. I think it would be much more, in, uh, I would be much more invested in the system if stats only came from items and buffs and not from extra points every level or so. Uh, Venict said, from what I've seen, every stat point is going to be huge. It's why they're sticking with the lower numbers and stats are going to be big, even if it's just one point. Just like AC, every point is noticeable, so there shouldn't be a need for extra points. The gear you farm, find, or acquire from any source is going to be very impactful, which makes it even more exciting and more often in my mind of getting an upgrade. Uh, Chenzim said, I would like to see player-based stats be capped depending on race class. He has a kind of an interesting take on this. He goes a little bit of a different direction. He 
compares it to being like a, um, so he said, if I was a sprinter that trained, I would gain strength and speed above the average of, above that of an average person, but I would also max out. So no match, no matter how much training I did, there would be a point where I can't get any better. So if you want to travel faster at that point, then you get on a bike. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, that's your gear. Like that's your gear upgrade is your bike as yeah. you're a sprinter. It kind of makes sense if you think about it like that. And then he just finishes by saying, that's how I see stats in the game. Your physical, your mental conditioning should have a maximum value from there, only improved by external factors. That's a good point. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah, it's a good sort of visual description that I think you can sort of understand quite clearly. Uh, Counterfletch said, I'd like to see either no added stats or a very slow rate. Um, Bolda said, you don't need to increase stats for the character. It should be gear-based. But as you level, the calculation that happens on total stats to produce your HP and mana should increase. So like a stat um, one, one stat point at level one is not the same as one stat point at level 50. So he's he's sort of like Mm. scaling it up. It's funny because a lot of people don't want to increase stats because they don't want these complicated numbers. I feel like that adds a lot more complication than just making a bigger number. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. It's a good point, though, Um, because that's what I'm going to be harping on here in a minute. Okay, cool. So Disposal has said, in concept, I'd like to see us having some control and defining our core attributes somewhat. For our characteristics to improve as we gain experience, training would make sense. And to choose how we are shaped by our experiences and training would feel pretty good. I'm sure VR could design around that concept, but perhaps they want to make it all about the gear and not enable characters to progress their stats just by grinding trash monsters and leveling up. Um, and then lastly, Darch said, I'd honestly prefer something similar to like 5th edition D&D where you get a choice of like a feat or something like that uh, at five times, like on average through 20 levels of the game. So a lot of interesting ideas here. And, and I kind of went two ways on this. I actually had something else typed up first and then i changed my mind about it i was sort of in line with what everybody was saying about no stats just gear and that kind of thing because i think it's important that in an moo you're chasing gear right and and chasing levels is is fine but if you can do that in lieu of improving yourself um by not going after gear i think that's a problem so i kind of changed my mind though i said um you know like i like building characters in single player player rpgs i like trying to make unique and kind of interesting stuff like archetypes and that kind of stuff and with that in mind, if we got a point, if we got a couple points every 10 levels, and let's say the level cap's 50, like that might work. Like, think about how impactful they are. It could allow me to really customize my character and without negating the impact of gear stats and, and AC. I definitely think like, like I said, chasing loot's important, but I also think that I want that little bit of signature ability to create a custom character. Um, and we also have to take into account the mastery system here, right? We, they talk about, um, you know, getting points distributed into your mastery system, having to find points. And I think that's really where they have taken this idea of getting stat points when you level and, and shifted it over to the mastery system, which is, is, is also cool and also does what I'm talking about in terms of character customization. So if that's how they do it, you know, I, I, I have no problem spending my time you know, looking for those points out in the world rather than just getting them automatically when I level up. And again, like I said, if you, but if you did get a couple every 10 levels, so like if the level cap's 50, you know, then you've got, you know, you're, you're, it's, you're keeping it under control. So sort of a long winded way of saying yes, but no, at the same time. So, <laughs> what about you, man? What do you, what do you think? How do you want to get stats here? Yeah, I want stats. Um, so the, the one point I started speaking up on is where he said, you know, maybe, uh, you don't get stats, but one is bigger at 50 cause there's going to be like a 
multiplier by your level. That's too complicated. Um, it's really no less complicated than just having big numbers and trying to figure out like where it's at. So you yeah. brought up something really important, um, character customization. If we don't get any stats, then the only thing we can do to customize our characters is gear. And if there's certain gear that's really good, a lot of us are going to be exactly the same. So there's yeah. there's a very interesting counterpoint in saying if we don't get to put some stats in that are meaningful, then we're not getting to really build our character like to how we would want to play sometimes. So I think that you brought up a great point about character customization that I think that these points are very important for. And then mm-hmm. the second point of it that I would tie in to what he was saying is that if I'm a naked level 50, I shouldn't be as vulnerable as being a naked level one. Like I just shouldn't be. Like that doesn't right. make any sense to me. If you're a warrior and you don't have any armor on, you're still a badass if you're a level 50 warrior and you should be able to pick up those lower level mobs with your hands if you have to and beat them to death. <laughs> so I think that, you know, we, we need points because there has to be a base character customization, like you said. And I don't think that a naked 50 and naked one should be similar in any way, shape or form. So that's kind of yeah. my two mentalities on it that, Hopefully that adds like a different level of thought maybe for some of the people who are against stats, but I, yeah. it would feel awful if you're level 50 and you can't get past level one mobs. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, you, uh, <laughs> you're running around with no, none of your gear and you're getting taken out by rats and, and snakes yeah. and stuff like that at that level 50. So it would make a lot of sense. And there is sort of a natural, you know, the, it, it's just common sense that as you grow higher in level you your natural attributes increase right there's sort of a common sense approach to it there so yeah but it it was a really interesting discussion i didn't include all the uh responses as i usually uh do i can't include them all for time but some people did talk there was a lot of math conversation (laughs) there was a lot of like you were talking about scaling with as you level up the point meaning more but um yeah really interesting stuff so um yeah so from there we'll move on to our introductions for this week we had three new folks uh come by and say hi i'll start with uh He says, howdy, Legacy of Ages guild member that will likely main a Scar Shaman. Classic WoW, Diablo, and RuneScape player. Uh, regretfully, was never part of the I EQ love scene. that he put Diablo in there. Yeah, yeah. No, we don't get a lot of the uh, Diablo, yeah. <laughs> the, old, uh, the old Diablo fans, which we are definitely both part of. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> he says, regretfully, never part of the EQ scene, but I happen to find mention of the game of this game in upcoming MMOs, and I'm excited for what VR is brewing played all types of roles during my gaming experience so all the all the support you know tank healer dps that kind of stuff find myself gravitating towards keeping these uh, green bars in pristine condition so i'm guessing he's, he's talking <laughs> healer. about a healer there yeah. yeah did my time as a super hardcore raider definitely looking forward to a more immersive relaxed game atmosphere if you see me in game please don't hesitate to reach out and uh, ask if you need help so you know it's funny he like how he said there like he's a hardcore raider looking for more immersive i've said that how many times like when we're talking yeah. like, but then when yeah. we were playing, who was the first guy that got upset that we weren't killing and grinding and getting gear? To be tough to fight that off, man. It's gonna be tough. I've got a I've got a plan. I'm I'm working on something. I've got a I've got a training <laughs> regimen for you that I'm working on. I haven't rolled it out yet. Is it called it, bring it, a bag of Cheerios <laughs> with you? Like mine is here. Yeah. These Cheerios you're getting up to. Maybe now that you mentioned it, maybe that'll help. I can, I'll do something with that. <laughs> That's what it takes. Uh, I still want to yeah. be relaxed and immersive and I think I can do it, but I love I, gear. I, I love gear. I believe you. No, I, I'm, I'm, we're going to work together. You're going to make me more competitive 
and I'm going to chill you the heck out. Okay. <laughs> so, All right. Yeah. Next up was uh, Shuge. He said, I'm a new pledge. I'm looking to rekindle some of that old school EQ goodness or something like it. Tried Ultima Online back in the day. Couldn't get into it. But then this game called EverQuest pulled me in around the time a Kooner came out. Left around, came back during Velius. <clears throat> he says, during EQ, I also dabbled in Anarchy Online for a while and enjoyed that for what it was. Later moved into WoW, EQ2, dabbled in both. Since then, he's laid off MMOs uh, in general, focused on work and his well-being, and he's looking forward to uh, this game so he can demolish all his free time in the future. He's glad to have found the game, he's sad about Brad, and he hopes this turns into a regular MMO of choice for the future. And then lastly, uh, By the way, real quick with what he said there, Kunark was the best. I loved Kunark. Kunark was awesome. Yeah, I have a lot of fond memories of Kunark. Um, Yeah. Carnor's Castle, man. That was Kunark, right? Or was that Velius? That was Kunark. Yeah, I think it was sure. Kunark. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, I don't want to get into a huge EQ, but he, he put about <laughs> coming in and doing Kunark and like, like all the rest yeah. were okay that I played in. I think I played up to Planes of Power and they were okay, but there was nothing like Kunark when that hit. I spent so much time even in Kern's Tower, man. Like, mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. Kunark. City of Mist. Oh. City of Mist. Oh, good stuff. I, I played up to Velius. I quit after Velius. So, yeah. yeah. Oh man, memories. Anyway, Demaris, the last one, he says, Hey everyone, I wanted to int- introduce myself. I played mostly EQ back in the heyday. Discovered Project 1999 a while back, been having some fun with it. Played a little bit of WoW and Dark Age of Camelot. Never got into the rating scene. I'm definitely not opposed to it though. I was so happily, so happy stumbling upon Pantheon. I remember hearing about them when they did their crowdfunding, but I missed the cutoff. I'm so glad I rediscovered it and seeing how far they've come is amazing. I'm 100% hooked already. So awesome. cool. And um, yeah, go over and stop in on the forums, man. Say hi to these, uh, the new uh, folks here, and I'm sure they would appreciate it. Welcome to the community. Definitely. And then lastly, um, I just want to do a quick shout out to a fan project um, that, uh, you know, we, we say longtime supporter for a lot of people in the community, and um, but nobody really is a longtime supporter as 187. We <laughs> yeah. talked about him a couple of episodes ago. I think you did your uh, your Bard's uh, song about <laughs> 187. Yeah. He did a video. Um, I don't know if you saw this or not. Yep. It is crazy good. Did you see it? Yeah, I retweeted it out. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The trip. So it's like a tribute to Pantheon and it's like really well done. It's got like this epic feel to it and epic music. And I just, you know, it's, it's, uh, makes, gives you all the feels, right? Gives you a little bit of Pantheon juice. So and it's go watch short, it. It's sweet. It's right to the point. It's, it's, like you said, epic. Definitely fun. Yeah. So there's a link in the description and in the show notes as well. So definitely go give that a check out. And uh, that's it for this week's community discussions. Let's talk content creator updates and new additions to Pantheon.plus. Awesome. So let's jump in on uh, Pantheon.plus. What's going on with content creators, what we're working on. Uh, so Bazgrim uh, had a watch party for the developer stream. So you can find that on his Twitch page. And I'm sure it's probably up on his YouTube channel by now. And it's cool because like you can kind of see his live reaction to some of the stuff he's seeing and he'll chat with the chat. Um, so it's kind of like just real, like real reaction. So it's neat to watch. It's wow. He's watching the stream. Um, and then they'll talk a little bit about some of the stuff that happened. So you check that out uh, post uh, haste if you haven't already. Um, and Pantheon plus. Uh, so Drac continued his amazing community videos, adding two more community member profiles. He covered Greyjack and Steren. Um, So check out their profiles to learn more about you know, what they want to expect out of Pantheon and what you think they may be in Pantheon so you can meet up with them and you get to hear some of their MMORPG stories. So if you want one of these set up for yourself, contact Drac on Twitter or Discord and get yourself set up. Um, I love these, man. I 
I love them so much. They taste, don't get me wrong. I loved his old blogs too, but I don't know. I'm a big video guy. Right. So like, I just love watching these and it ties so much into the hashtag community matters that that's why we're here. Like that hashtag is, is why Pantheon plus exists. Like without that, we wouldn't be here. So these videos just, they're awesome. I love it. I love his idea. I love his production. I love that he interviews them. Like people are lining up to interview him with him and it's so cool. Yeah, I know people are, people are lining up. You're right. I I know he's busy. (laughs) He's always busy and he's cranking these things out. So I can't wait to see the next one. Yeah. And I can't even get in. Like I'm trying to get a minus (laughs) one down here. I'm like waiting in line. Man, you think you oh, know well. a guy, and then, you know he puts yeah. you in line. Yeah, you think you might have some, you know, some some sway you with think. him. But I don't. I, guess I, not. I don't no. know. I'm just, not, <laughs> I'm a nobody. Um, so much like Baz, we also had some content around the developer stream as we followed up with episode 45. It's me and you uh, talking about you know what we saw in the dev stream in a lot more detail. Uh, Joppa allowed us to uh, go into more detail about how we played with some of those abilities that we were able to test. So that was really cool. So thank you to VR again for lifting the NDA in a very slight way for us there. Uh, please very remember, much. don't just go running off doing that to any testers out there. Please get permission before you do. Please. please. Um, but yeah, uh, it, you know, it's kind of weird. Like when we're like, oh, we only had two videos and a rewind um, after like the crazy weeks that we've had. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to be Sometimes honest. Sometimes less is more. Yeah, it was a nice welcome break to only to only put out two videos from us and then two from Jack. So. Yeah, right. Whatever exactly. that's worth. Yeah. Um, so what's being worked on? So Wednesday night, we actually pushed through our updated front page. It was kind of unexpected, but Poiru just broke through on it and, and we were testing stuff and I was logged into the admin profile and trying to break things. And we did find some errors, but we were able to get them all done that night. And each was like, let's push it out. Um, so I think personally that the flow and overall usability of the site like increases tenfold. Um, you'll see a trending section at the top of the screen. So you'll see the the headline at the top. That's like news that we try to keep up on. Um, bear with us. We're still getting that going. Um, but then you're going to see the most um, upvoted media pieces, whether, you know, once we have articles, but right now it's videos over the last 30 days. So if you're a member of the site, log in, hit those thumbs up on stuff you really like, because you're actually going to make that keep a place for up to 30 days in the trending section. So if there's something you really like, so people will get comments on it and, they can talk and you can kind of make it part of the community. Just hit that thumbs up. It's really cool. Um, so uh, the biggest thing there is we also added the Pantheon plus wall. So you'll see basically the way the page works is headline trending the, the five most recent articles. Then you'll see the Pantheon plus wall. And what this is, is if you, if you tweet out hashtag Pantheon plus on any images or videos, you'll be able to have it shown on that wall. So we're just encouraging any people to post, you know, their gaming sessions, Pantheon creations, whatever you want to put up, hashtag Pantheon Plus, and we can throw it up on that wall so people can see it. Not only will you be able to see it on the website, we also have it as part of Pantheon Plus U. So you'll see your picture come up or your your gaming experience and your quotes and your Pantheon stuff. So it's just another cool way to be interactive with the website and our live streams so we can keep the community in focus. Uh, and that's again another Drac project. Like if these community things he does are awesome. Um, yeah. so check that out. Um, and we've talked about article implementation for about four to five months. You know, that's how long it's been. I feel horrible because <laughs> I said we were close like probably three months ago. Um, mm. it's been long. Um, it's, it's a, a huge step in this process though is to get the page laid out like this because articles are just going to go right in, right in line with the videos, right in line with trending. Um, so it's a big step. And, and remember, we're programming all this from the ground up. We're not just using pre-programmed stuff. We're not using WordPress plugins. 
we're doing this because the the article system is going to tie into so much more um, with what we have planned in the future. So we wanted to make sure it really works well. So I still don't have a timetable. I wish I did, but they are really progressing strong. And that's why we wanted to push the front page update out. So um, we've also heard of a few people having issues making an account. Um, it's weird. You get some kind of error about unapproved characters. Um, so for some reason, if you get that and you're not using unapproved characters, just using numbers and letters, um, we have on our Discord, there's a website feedback channel. Just jump in there, post in there, or sit, uh, submit like a support uh, email in the link in the uh, menu system on the website. Either one of those, and we'll get that fixed and figure that out. We're trying to figure out why that's happening. We're not sure right now. So, um, Other things from us. It's a somber moment, but I, I want to... I really wanted to talk about this because I think a lot of people may avoid doing it and I don't want to do that. Uh, I want to give a shout out to the team at Valair. So they didn't make a difficult um, announcement last week and due to personal reasons that are pretty heavy, um, their development is currently on hold. Uh, I hate hearing this um, and yeah. we can understand how hard it is to develop a game like Valair with only two people. We've said that a lot, right, Derek? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely... it's. Uh... It's a tough. It's a tough one to take because we've we've had great experiences with them, you know, yeah. both yep. directly as a as a one on one with them as people and, and as well as playing the game, you know. And it was it was uh, sad to see that project get put on hold. So definitely um, not what you want to see, but also reality of the situation, right? So yeah, it is. It is, and and you know, I just want to make sure people know, like it was in early early pre alpha. We were helping them test. We were doing some streams and showing off. I don't regret a second of that. Like these are yeah. good human beings who were trying to put their dream together with two people. And they did some damn good stuff for, for a game that early in. And, you know, they're also still continuing some work. They've designed some very strong utility, um, sorry, unity tools. Um, so they're kind of going back and just working and building tools and stuff like that. Um, and it doesn't mean that Valera is dead. Um, so, you know, I just, I want to make sure that, I just, if anybody loses anything, I never regretted being a part of this. I, I these guys were awesome. Um, and then yeah. hyping up the game and showing off videos and convincing people to check it out. No regret. Um, yeah. their hearts were in this properly. They always acted with extreme integrity. Um, and if Valer picks back up, you can rest assured that we will be there to support them. So good luck 100%. to the, Qua yeah, good luck to the Quasar team. And we hope we see you guys back in action soon. So agreed. And with that, let's move on. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it gets here, I just yell, mail! We're getting sued. Okay, well, that, that bumper picks us all up. <laughs> and we're not feeling so somber anymore. Now we're all happy, right? So Just embarrassed. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, okay, so our first, um, our first question this week in the mailbox comes from JJ Piedra. Uh, he says, something that's been a staple in modern games, both on console and in the MMO realm, are achievements. If Pantheon included achievements in a non-trivial manner that challenged the player on an individual basis and gave them extra goals and new ways to do content, would you like to see that? I, I'll, I'll go first. Um, and man, achievements. Oh, man, achievements have come a long way. I remember when achievements were actually like determined by people who played the game. Um, and I'm going to take a strong stance here. You might disagree with me here. And I, I don't know. I'm interested to see how you think what you think about this. But, you know, hearing the original like Super Mario Brothers, somebody finished it with a never dying. 
or jump, even jumping over the flag at the end of the level. Like that was an achievement. That was cool. Right. Yeah. But like so many, so many things in, in the gaming industry, right. The, the idea got co-opted into design and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but what happened was they found certain ways to, you know, drive player behavior in certain directions. And it, it really ended up doing a lot of negative things. I don't like achievements in games generally. I think that a lot of times they're just undeserved sort of dopamine hits. You for, mean you, you don't want to get a, an award for you know, beating chapter one? <laughs> it's like your achievement first steps, you walked forward for the first time. Congratulations. It's like, <laughs> oh man. But on the other hand, sometimes they're so ridiculous. It's like, you know, you get that true hero achievement. That means like you murdered everyone in the game and you took no damage and you did it in 10 seconds. It's like... People are people are trying to accomplish these things, and it's just it's giving games like value they don't deserve to have, right? So <laughs> I think there there's a big issue with this. I definitely am not a fan of achievements. I like um, you know I like self sort of designed achievements, and what's important to you, you should be in control of. Um, maybe I'm taking too hard of a stand, but you know, like I don't want to say anything like that in Pantheon, and I hope they don't do that. But what do you, what do you think? Yeah, so on consoles like Xbox, I don't care at all about achievements. Even yeah. um, not even a tiny bit. Um, I am not a one hundred percenter. I just play a game. I want to see the story. I beat it. I'm done. I never play it again. That's pretty much how console gaming works for me. Um, for MMOs, I'm going to say that I mostly say that I don't care about them. <clears throat> but I'd be lying because in World of Warcraft, for example, it was very important for me in the guild to get the achievement every raid tier called ahead of the curve which mm-hmm. was you, your guild got a guild-credited achievement for downing a raid in heroic mode before it was nerfed and you got the next, you could get the next tier of gear. Um, mm-hmm. So basically it was like you beat it when you were supposed to, and here is a forever date stamp that you'll have on your character that you can look back at. Yeah. I, I, again, I'm not someone who's going to go around trying to get like meaningless achievements, but the meaningful ones with the timestamp it's kind of neat to go back and look at those memories. Like, especially if you play a game for 10 years, yeah. like, Oh, you know, God, it was, you know, it was Karazhan. I beat it in, you know, 2000, blah, blah, blah. Like that was so long ago. Like that kind of stuff is cool, but overall I do not like achievements. So. Yeah. It's a really great point. I mean, what you're saying is that, you know, the MMOs are such a bigger time commitment than a lot of single player games, right? Like you're talking about years and years playing a game. I mean, I can see why you would think achievements and why achievements might mean more. And again, it's a social game, you know, well, better more or less, you know, mm-hmm. um, and there's, there's a certain uh, cachet that comes with having a certain achievement. So yeah, it's a little different for MMOs. Um, I, can, I can get behind that, but uh, you know, I think about these steam games and some people buy steam games just for the achievements, right? Like there's a certain yeah. steam culture about achievement. Like getting your gamer score up or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Weird. Anyway, okay, so next question comes from Lafayette. He says, are you planning on upgrading or building a new PC for Pantheon? I'll let you take this one first. So mine's coming tomorrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> wait, no, I have to say, I have to remember, we, this comes out on Sunday. So mine got here yesterday. <laughs> so you're enjoying your new PC as we speak. It's outstanding. Um, yeah, no, I found a really good deal. Um, 1700 bucks after tax for an i9, uh, 10900K. Uh, new motherboard, um, the case that I wanted, the cooling system I wanted. Um, you know, it comes with a, a lesser graphics card, but I'm just going to pop my 10, uh, 2080 Ti in that. And then I just mm-hmm. have to, all I have to do to the machine once I swap my graphics card into it is get um, 
uh, another 16 gig, gigs of RAM. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm upgrading to DDR4. I'm upgrading a uh, six generations of my processor, so it's pretty old. <laughs> um, and uh, cooling and stuff like that, the case. So um, I'm really excited for that. I have wanted, and AMD fans are going to beat me up, but I have wanted the the uh, i9 since they announced them, and I'm just I'm really excited to get that. And and for those of you out there that are like, oh, why are you going Intel? I'm a big Adobe user. You know, we are content creators. So I use Premiere, I use Illustrator, I use Photoshop, I use After Effects. I use tons of Adobe. Um, and Intel works really well with Adobe. It just does. It's uh, Adobe is a tricky uh, group of uh, programs and they delisted my processor. So what that means is when I put the new Adobe programs in, I get this error that my processor is not compatible and I can't like preview things and, and exporting takes forever. So I have to use older versions of Adobe. Um, so having this is just going to be like content creation masterpiece. Like, don't get me wrong. Like my current PC can probably run every game I play in 60 frames per second. Um, this will do a better job. Um, but the, the production side, like the actual content creation is going to become so much better. So I'm excited. Uh, Yeah, that's great, man. I've been building my own systems for a long time and I'm going to continue to do so. You know, my, my current setup, I built like four years ago now and it's still good. I mean, I've still got a few more years, but I upgraded my video card last year. I've got the 2080 Ti in there and, and it'll be um, good for a long time. So, um, have you know, we ever I'll get told more- the story that I was responsible for that? Have we told yeah, that on think, the rewind? I don't think, no, I don't think we have told that story, but yeah, you are definitely responsible for it. You, uh, we weren't even you, really uh, like, we didn't know each other. I just posted a no. picture of my 2080 Ti and then I saw you respond. Great. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then I, and then I messaged you like two days later. I'm like, you're a terrible influence. And I posted a picture. I went to the store and grabbed it too. I was like, okay, don't buy. I told, I told you at that time, I'm like, don't buy a new processor motherboard. Cause I can't afford it right now. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's the next upgrade though. I'll, I'll, I'll do that in a few years. You're going to go AMD. No, no, no. I'll go Intel. I'm the same as you. I've always bought Intel and we're about um, to get beat up on this rewind for that. Eh, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I'll do it. I'll do what I want. That, that's uh <laughs> I've become, I've become brand loyal to a lot of different things. Like, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's funny. If a brand doesn't like do that. me wrong, I stick with it. Yeah, exactly. I used to be big on the EVGA for the video cards, but then I had a problem with them and got off them. And now I'm on MSI. I really like MSI as a brand. So hmm. yeah. Anyway, moving on next question. Uh, Chobin said, what would you think about an in-game journal you can keep, whether it's for taking notes or keeping track of hidden uh, unmarked quests or for role players who like to write things down in character? And he actually linked a um, uh, uh, post to another um, forum post where somebody was talking about like what other games have done this. And apparently in Asheron's Call, they had the ability, well, that's a, quite an old MMO, but you had the ability to um, like write, copy, sell and trade books and mm. notes as like physical items in the world. You could like leave them around in game for other players to find. That's a super cool idea. Um, oh, and I but think here's the thing, awesome. like some of the books you might find. Oh my <laughs> yes. gosh. I know. <laughs> of course, right? Your mind goes to what Instantly could go wrong right that. away, right? Oh I know, my gosh. I know. Could you imagine? Oh, what's this book? Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, no, don't read it. But I'm like, I, I tried to avoid that. And I tried to think of how cool it would be. Like, what would be something cool that you could do? Like, imagine finding like a random player's like journal hidden in a corner, like of a, you know, a cave with like a raid boss in it. And it's got like their dying sort of handwritten <laughs> notes. <laughs> like we failed the raid wiped. Oh, you know, what was me sort of thing. That's pretty cool. So yeah. it's a cool idea. I wish another, it's one of those, like one of those ideas that no other MMOs have maybe picked up on, or maybe they have, and we just don't know about it. But you know, like Asheron's call, like I said, it's pretty old. So 
what do you think that would be other than the problems you'd be into that? Yeah. Um, so the dropping them on the ground and trading them and stuff's crazy. Uh, that's why I was like, uh, but uh, it's, yeah. it's a crazy good idea. Um, so in wow, I had an add on that was post-it notes and okay, right. uh, they were little tabs on the side of your screen. My whole right side of the screen was these tabs. And if I hit them, my post-it notes would pop out and I could have notes about each raid boss when we were on there. So I could quickly access it without leaving game. Like just the stuff that I kind of wrote down or knowing like certain things I was watching people do so I could talk to them after. I loved it. Like it was, yeah. it was not a popular add on. It was just something I found and I'm like, huh? It was just, it was like little sticky notes and you pop it out and then you hit a button. It goes back into the side of your screen. But I had like every raid tier I had like tons of notes on the side and then I'd pull them out for after meetings or I loved it. I cool. Loved cool. Yeah. yeah. Somebody should do that again. Um, okay. Next question is John Wayne. He says, do you feel there should be healing aggro in Pantheon and how do you feel, or how do you think or feel that could benefit a tank class like Paladin or the Dire Lord if they're truly healing from damage done versus the warrior who's most likely going to have no healing abilities? This is, um, this is a really good point about the Dire Lord here. Actually, you go first. I went first on the last one. So I'll let you go first on this one. Um, yeah, I do think, I think that direct healing um, should have a more potent threat gain than um, some kind of like uh, passive healing or um, in addition to healing. So Dire Lord is very passive and in addition to where you're hitting him with attack and leeching, I guess is mm-hmm. the best way. I don't think leeching health um, should be um, as, as in-depth as like direct healing, like a healer, for example. Mm-hmm. I think that a healer who's pumping out heals should gain a lot of threat and it should be up to the tank to keep their threat level ahead of them with their tanking abilities. And I think that I don't have any problem with a paladin. If a paladin has passive healing or abilities that heal um, where you gain a percentage of it, I think that they shouldn't affect it as much, but yeah, they should. Um, But I think like a direct cast heal should be the one that generates the most threat. Yeah. It would really be almost impossible to get something off a dire Lord. If their healing generated the kind of aggro that a dedicated healer generates, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that would be a way big advantage for the Dire Lord as a as a tank. Although maybe a disadvantage as well, because they're not the sturdiest of the tanks, right? They're not, I mean, yeah. in terms of magic, they are, but not in terms of physical damage, melee damage. So if they were generating aggro through their own self-healing, that would that would be kind of interesting, you know. I like for I, mobs around them, not just the one they're tanking too. Yeah, you know, the way that the way that other healing generates it. So kind of a kind of an interesting uh, strategic uh decision to make um next question is from gulo gulo he says what's the progeny system mean to you and how would you like it to work so i've I've said all along i'm a big fan of the progeny system the way they've described it because to me it means longevity and it means long-term progression in an mmo you know we we can describe what we we always talk about max level you know what does max level mean when you've got a system like a progeny system where you know you retire your max level character what's the benefit you get from starting a new character you know Obviously, the question we is when we always talk about this when progeny comes up, we need more information. We don't know what the benefits are, and that's going to be key, obviously. Um, but it has a significant benefit. It, it has to be a significant benefit for progeny to be legit. Um, you know, you don't want somebody making a level one character, something that makes somebody want to make a level one, one character and begin the journey anew, knowing that they could be more powerful over time with their max level character has to be something worthwhile so i but i do feel like this is really i have high hopes for the progeny system and i think you're on the same page right yes um you know 
I don't know where I stand on this. Sorry, 187. Um, <laughs> so here's my thing. I like it, right? We were talking about stats earlier. So if if five stamina is a huge deal and you can start over and have two or three extra stat points when you create your character each time you do progeny, that's freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, like you have to be able to get to not just max level, but possibly go through some kind of long quest line to get to progeny. Um, that's how I would like it to work. Um, and then I'm okay with somebody going through progeny 10 times and having this crazy strong character because not everybody's going to be able to do that. And that's a time investment and it's worth it to that person. That's fine. Now, what I don't like is this, if I'm minus and I'm a rogue and, uh, I get minus to level 50 and I do the quest and I have to retire or delete minus to make new minus. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> uh, like again, I, I think it's about what the what the incentive is to do that. You know, like what what do you get out of it? Yeah, it's better be powerful. Yeah, it's you. You ha- like, and I know so many people are like, "Oh, well, I don't want progeny to make somebody really stronger than me." Well, guess what? Too bad. Like, <laughs> it's a huge sacrifice. It's a huge mm-hmm. time sink. Starting over. Like, if I'm going to start over, I want it to be a big deal. Like, if I'm on minus the fifth, I better be <laughs> one of the strongest rogues ever. You know, like, like I should have base stat points that, like, people just start in the game like, wow, that character's a beast. Exactly. Like, that's what I would want Progeny to be. And my only fear is, in a lot of these style of games, developers are really scared of giving somebody yeah. that power. And yeah. making them stronger. And you know what they should be. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. So let's wrap it up. We've gone a little <laughs> long, but we have a one more question. It's a good one. It's from Tech Ninja, our buddy. He says, Is pug a dirty word? I'll let you go first. No. No, it's no? It, it's pickup group. That's what it means for anyone yep. who just knows it as pug. Um, no. Yeah, we're, not mean, th- we're not talking about the dog pugs. We're, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about pugs. Pick yeah, pick, group, pickup yeah. group, no. Um, I met Poiru from doing a um, pickup pugs for our raid because we were short a couple people and he was on a different server and, and wow. And we picked him up and then he did really well and we were chatting and, you know, from the other server, he would pug into our raids because we liked him. And then he ends up server transferring and now he's, you know, my partner in Pantheon plus and he's one of my best friends in the world. And that's through a pug. I think that 90% of the time when you meet somebody who's not a guildie, um, you meet them through a pug. So no, it's not a dirty word. There's a lot of bad eggs in pugs. I think the biggest problem with pugs is like, if you join a pug, you need to know what the leader's intent is. And if that intent lines with yours, you're fine. But if you join some group that's a min-maxing group and you don't want to min-max and you don't want to play the role they want you to play, well, guess what? You need to go find another group. That's your fault. That's not the pug leader's yeah. fault. Every yeah. single person who plays an MMORPG has the right to make their own group. So if you can make your own group, then you know, make your own pug and then it'll yeah. be positive. So... Yeah, you know, if if pug's a dirty word, man, I'm gonna be the most foul mouthed sailor in the game because <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm gonna be running around saying it a lot. I'm gonna be shouting from the rooftops. You know, like the 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 value of pugs is is the social experience, and we just yes, of course, in comparison to a guild or a static group, you know, a pug's gonna be more challenging without a doubt. It's just the way it is. But we we have to go. What we go into the pug expecting is really on us, you know, and, and sometimes you are going to have a negative experience, but you have to be open to the idea and you have to also not expect to be ultra efficient. It's not going to be that, you know, there, it's about the social experience. It's about involving other people who may, you know, who may be less or more than what you 
you know, what you want or what you expect. And that's fine because you're, you're putting that aside. You're putting that gameplay aspect aside necessarily just to have a social experience, right? What if you meet somebody you've met who makes you laugh like you've never laughed before? What if you meet somebody with a similar background in real life? And that takes over what you're doing in game, right? What if you what meet if you have your a, significant other? Yeah, that's exactly my next point. I was going to say, what if you have, you meet someone, you have a spark and you form a lasting relationship, you know? That's what pugs are about. Pugs are like a microcosm of what the MMO experience is or should be. And it's really high time we stop thinking of them as something to be ashamed of, something people, you know, or for lesser people, you know, that's that sucks. So, yeah, no, pugs a dirty word, man, then, you know, F you. <laughs> that's what I'll say. <laughs> Jeez. I love it. That's so good. Uh, Theric is now go. a dirty old man. Uh, well, everybody, <laughs> uh, thank you for checking out this episode of The Rewind. We went uh, about 10 minutes over our normal time. Not too shabby. It could have been worse. That's fine. Uh, maybe a little more than that. But <laughs> thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, as always, you can expect to hear from us next week. Thank you and uh, have a good day. Cheers, everybody. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Be sure to follow Minus and all Pantheon Plus related content on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube under the name Pantheon Plus. Also, be sure to follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter. Keep up to date on all Pantheon Rise of the Fallen information on www.pantheon.plus, the definitive source for all media of Pantheon. Until next time.